Welcome to UX Radio, the podcast that generates collaborative discussion about information architecture, user experience, and design. Darrell Rabinowitz leads the global design community of practice at PayPal, driving the creation of tools, frameworks, and methodologies to support meaningful and cohesive end-to-end customer experiences while fostering an atmosphere where strong design thinking and high design quality are expected and celebrated. Previously, Darrell was the design strategist for Intuit's Harmony Design System, where she helped multiple teams design, document, and unify an ecosystem for small businesses. Before that, she directed UX teams at eBay, Google, and Yahoo. Darrell has deep expertise in system-level creation and development of design languages, and she has a teeny, teeny thing about Elvis. Here are your hosts, Laura Federoff and Chris Chandler. Hi, and welcome to UX Radio. I'm your host, Laura Federoff. And I'm Chris Chandler. And today we have a very special guest, Darrell Rabinowitz. Darrell, you have such an amazing background going all the way back to 2000, working at companies like eBay, Yahoo, Google, Intuit, PayPal. Wow, that's so impressive. Can you tell us how you got started? Well, back in the day, I did graphic design and corporate identity kinds of work, but one day somebody asked me to build a website, and I had no idea what code even was. Um, And eventually, I went to grad school in NYU, shout out to ITP, Interactive Telecommunications Program at NYU. It's a great program. And um, I started working as an intern at the Museum of Natural History, and I immediately started making some really cool websites and stuff. And right out of school, I uh, worked at Oxygen Media and then Razorfish. So eventually, somebody on the West Coast, one of my friends, said, hey, you should come out and work for Yahoo. And that began my journey out west in Silicon Valley. What did you do for Yahoo? I did a couple of things at Yahoo. First, I was the design manager for Yahoo Finance. Um, And then I switched over to being the design manager for Yahoo Personals, which was actually pretty funny since I had created a personal dating service while I was in grad school. And I actually also worked at Yahoo on Yahoo's pattern library. So were you doing information architecture and user experience when you were there? I consider myself a generalist. I've always done everything from IA to experience to visual design. I do it all. You do do it all. And tell us more about your journey. Where did you go from Yahoo? After Yahoo, I went to Google, where I actually created one of the first pattern libraries there or design systems long before um, anything that you recognize now. Um, It was 2007. Right. Back then, we called them pattern libraries. That's interesting. And now we call them design systems. What's the difference? So there's a difference between a pattern library, which is a collection of patterns telling designers how to do things and when to do them, and sometimes include visual styles, to a design system, which has a number of things like a um, design, a whole design language. So this is the look and feel and behavior, when and why to use things. So it includes patterns, but often also includes the code behind the patterns and potentially things like design principles, um, and also could include things like uh, voice and tone guidelines. Um, So it's a whole system 
of tools that everyone can use from design to engineering to even product to create great experiences. And what instigated you to create that while you were at Google? I was actually hired to do that. So Google, like many companies in Silicon Valley, has lots of siloed groups or teams working on multiple products. And these groups don't always talk to each other. And so from a customer experience, when you go to Google, it could be really different if you're using one tool compared to another tool. I mean, look at the experience even now on Google's desktop homepage to say Gmail. A lot of things are kind of different. The homepage is very, very simple, but, but Gmail is complex. Um, so you wanna think about a system that all these different teams can use to create something that is cohesive or familiar across not only different desktop experiences, but your different iOS or Android channels. So a design system helps people create those experiences and also promotes things like efficiency of building them, and it leaves people freer to work on the tougher problems and not redo the wheel when you're doing something like all the headlines should be in the same place. And then from Google, you went to Intuit. There was a little jump to eBay in between, uh, but I also create. I also was working on the design system there. Um, and at this point, we were also very much involved in governance of the design system. So this is where you try to figure out how to keep the system living. How do you let it grow and not become stagnant so that the experiences are keeping up to date with the world while making sure that people are following the system. And it was after that that I jumped to Intuit. But actually, it was Intuit was freelance. After eBay, I stopped leading teams and decided to do some hands-on design work and really get into mobile and understanding that experience. What made you make that change? Like, were you missing the work and contributions, you know, from that level? I always really like to make stuff, and sometimes leading isn't, a isn't about making. So, um, and also at that time, mobile was really coming into its own, and I just felt like I needed experience designing um, so that I could actually create something great. And so I started freelancing around. Intuit was actually my first freelance job, a former colleague actually set me up and I barely had an interview and I went in and started working there. But that year I also worked all around the valley just freelancing. And then add into it, again, it's a, it's a theme for you. You've been doing design systems and pattern libraries for a really long time. Um, am I wrong in that I feel like you probably, is Intuit, was that more extensive or was it starting from scratch? I feel like there were some different challenges there. Yeah, what happened at Intuit was that I came on staff as a designer, as a design lead, and working on the first version of QuickBooks for iPad. But we actually worked as a team on the whole QuickBooks mobile experience, and we kind of created a design system for that. And it was deemed very successful. At the same time, the business was kind of consolidating all, a whole bunch of small business business units into one. And to do that, we wanted to create one holistic experience. And they kind of asked me to help with that based on the QuickBooks mobile experience that 
I had designed. Yes, it was very cool, but very challenging because basically we were designing a new experience while we were creating the patterns while the train was running. So people were designing, we were trying to create the patterns, and everything was moving. And now we had six or so different business units trying to combine into one. They all had different roadmaps, so different priorities. One team would design something. We would say that's really great. And a month later, another team would try that design, and it wouldn't work for them. So we would have to redo the whole thing. So there were lots and lots of not just design challenges to deal with, but also how do I get everyone on the same page? How do we align roadmaps? How do I make sure that the right people are in the right room when we're thinking about a complex flow or how something is going to work? We actually did a design jam for the global header, and we were thinking about doing something that we called the global create. And I had to get representatives from all across the whole 120 design team people to figure out what was the best thing and what was going to work and bring in engineering and product to make sure that we could build it, et cetera. And plus, everything was on different stacks. Did you feel like that solved the problem to get everyone on the same page and all the roadmaps aligned? It helped. Um, I think the thing about design systems is that it's never done. So as much as you can get people together, as much as you can agree on what the system should be, it's always going to be changing. And at Intuit, the biggest thing that I think made the difference was I started having what we called open office hours twice a week, where every team that would create something would come in and share what they were doing so that we could make sure that they were following the design system. But it also just kind of turned into uh, an informal critique and a way for me to connect teams who were working on similar problems, who didn't realize that there were other people working on the same problem. Yeah, you have so much experience in this area, Darrell. Is that, are you doing similar kinds of work now at PayPal? Well, I've just recently uh, been asked to lead our design systems team, which we call PayPal UI. So in the, for the past two and a half years, I was not. I, they were peripheral. I was leading the consumer design team. But my new role is leading our design community of practice. And this is where we're trying to build community, but also up-level our design craft. And part of that is making sure that our PayPal UI system, which, by the way, is backed by code, is universal, ubiquitous, and, and everyone can use it so that it has what you need for each different user segment and business group. So that is a big challenge right now. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, and I think you're, you're sort of talking about it, about what you've learned and how you've evolved your thoughts on the design systems. And you said something very interesting to me there, which is backed up by code. Is that important? It's really important, Chris, because if it's only design patterns or if it's only how it looks and feels, then it's still a challenge for to build that efficiency of use. Um, and if you want to make a change, if there's no control over how things are built, then making changes or updates are very complex. So the, the idea of having code components and design components as one system, as one library, makes everyone more efficient. And it also really helps with the design decisions 
and the discussion around what is the best experience. Because at least in my current organization, we have many people who think they are designers and we have many, many stakeholders for everything we do. So having the design system that says this is how it's supposed to behave or this is how it's supposed to look helps us say they're doing it the right way. And so how did you define what was the best experience? So we do this in partnership with the product design teams. So they're the experts on what's going on in their particular area. But my team partners with them on on everything from your basic components. We actually follow the atomic design system. So a basic component is an atom, and that's something like an affordance, like a button or a link. We partner with our teams on what that should be. It starts with a what is and what do we want to change. And as the teams move on their design journey, my team uh, attends their critiques and partners with them on, say, even more complex components or molecules, putting all the pieces together in a way that works for each team. So in a sense, my team plays like the glue and the connectors between teams to create that system. And as a new design happens or a new piece comes out, the product teams test. We're, we're a hugely human-centered company. We not only do um, in-the-lab usability testing, but we do much ki- all kinds of discovery from talking to customers, ethnography, et cetera. And so we kind of partner with the product teams as they're testing their experiences to make sure that the pieces of the system are worthwhile. And as more teams adopt them, we consider them more baked. So does the research team support the product team? Um, The research team is part of our user experience team. Um, So each sort of product design team has at least one researcher that's part and parcel of the team. They create learning plans. in collaboration with design, product, and engineering to figure out what needs to be done to move the dial. That's fantastic. Do you recommend that type of structure for other teams as well? In my experience, having a researcher, in a sense, assigned to a product team is the best way to make it happen so that there's domain knowledge of the area, people, you know, it's just just another person on the team to really think about what is the best solution, people who really understand our customers, et cetera. And at PayPal, you know, we kind of have two sides to our customers. We have the consumers who buy things using PayPal or send money, send and receive money using PayPal. And then we have the merchants who process payments, et cetera, using PayPal. And and merchants are a hugely different customer type than our consumers. So we really have to think about how we're creating the right experiences for both of those widely different audiences. I wonder if you could expand a little bit on uh, sort of that idea of structuring the team. How do do you think about the the design team inside of a matrixed organization? What are the relationships between the other roles and, you know, what's your ideal sort of structure? I don't know if there is an ideal structure because I've worked in a lot of different ways. Right now, PayPal is a centralized design team that partners what we call three in a box with our engineering and product 
cross-functional teams, basically. And peripherally, there's marketing and compliance and legal and all sorts of other people. And what that means, though, is that we report into a VP of design. And the product teams report into a VP of product and a VP of engineering. So there's three different teams, but going across, we're all one team based on a particular um, product area or function or feature. So for example, we have a, let's just say our consumer experiences and platform team. And that's the team, if you use PayPal and you go to the homepage of PayPal, either on mobile or on the web, that's the team that manages that particular area. So it includes your homepage and settings and your activity. That team has a, at, a, at, the, at the very highest level, it has the VP of engineering, the VP of product, and the senior director of design, which used to be my role. And then at every level going down, there's supposed to be a three in a box, a designer, a design lead or director, a senior manager for product and engineering, et cetera. So we have three in a box teams all the way going down. Um, the only difference is that at the designer level, there's probably one designer to two scrum teams. So we're not quite yet at a one-to-one -one designer to a scrum team. And this matrix organization works really well because it lets us feel like a design team. And so as a design team, we can focus on things like community and craft and methods. But as a product team, we're all focused on creating the best experiences for our customers. So what does that collaboration look like between all the team members? You know, this is something that I've been working on for almost three years to figure out what's the best way to collaborate. We do believe in a co-located situation, which isn't 100% working, but being in the same place and sitting close to each other lets you have those serendipitous moments where you can informally share what you're working on informally have that conversation about, look at what I just figured out. Can you take a look at it? Could you build it? And sometimes that works really well. And we're trying to, to collaborate on everything from what are our customer needs? What are the big problems we're solving? To here is a design, what do you think of it? Or here's something, I've just built this piece. You know, Can you look at it and do a, a visual QA? So it's at different stages that the teams collaborate and at different stages where we involve stakeholders to get feedback. One thing though that is really important for us is to always try to be customer centric. So when we tell a story about what we're trying to create, we always try to think about it from a user perspective rather than always um, talking about our work from a business metrics perspective. So do you have personas? Yes. We have personas. We, we actually have lots and lots of customer data. From We have everything from a bunch of different kinds of customer segments, um, and these could be based on everything from income demographics to behavior. And then we have also what we like to call customer types, which are much more around tasks and what people and user needs, and there are personas. But it's really different having a persona for, say, um, a young married who is trying to buy something for you know their family 
to a large enterprise who the person we're talking about and working with is um, a finance person at a large company or a large retailer. Those are two very different customer types. Darrell, um, you've said the word community a couple different times. I know that's important to you. Can you, what do you mean by that? And, and what kinds of things are you doing to strengthen it? What kind of activities, methods, how do you approach it? So PayPal's design team is fairly large. Um, we're probably around 150 people, and that includes designers, researchers, content folks. And the thing is, is that PayPal is a global company with locations around the world and teams around the world. And yet we want to always have the same methods, practices. We want to focus on the same mission. And it's hard to do that when you're spread out. It's hard to do that when you're in this matrixed organization that where you have a VP of product telling you what they think the, the design should look like. And so... As a community, we are thinking about what's best for our mission. How can we support our design team? How can we make sure that there are career opportunities for folks? How can we make sure that they have the right skills or that they can grow and learn in their career? How can we make PayPal design a place that competes with Google and Facebook for talent? Um, How do we make coming to work really interesting and valuable and happy. So I'm doing that through my design community of practice, which includes things like the buzzword of design operations, where we're doing things centrally, like creating guides for onboarding, or here are the tools and methods that we use. Here are templates for design. Um, Here's a framework for how to do a design sprint. And here's how I'll teach you how to be a facilitator. We're doing this centrally so that our teams are not each individually having to figure those things out and do it themselves. So this will let them be more efficient and focus on design and not on more operational things. At the same token, I'm doing things like having events and bringing in speakers and teaching people how to apply to speak at conferences and we're, we're trying to starting to think about publishing and talking about the great work that we're doing. So we want to have this community feeling in a way we want to be. PayPal design is a great place to work for designers. That's really cool. And I know that you are passionate about driving change through design thinking. Through all of these efforts, do you think that is your main vehicle to do that? I don't know if it's the main vehicle, but it's a really strong vehicle. Because we are matrixed, because there are so many stakeholders, sometimes a design team or any product team will come to where they think they're almost finished. They'll review something with a stakeholder, and and the stakeholder will be like, wait, this isn't at all what I was thinking. And so I think it's actually last year I ran a design sprint because we were thinking about making a huge change to PayPal that had to do with some sort of legal compliance changes that we were required to do. And I invited folks from across all of PayPal, so across our consumer team, across our merchant team, people with different um, 
functions, our compliance folks, legal folks, et cetera. And I thought that we were, at the beginning, we were going to create a sort of a mock for this new idea, how we were going to fix this compliance issue. But it ended up being more of a, wait a minute, we're all on the same page about how we're going to go about designing and fixing this problem that we were having. And it turned out that using the sprint methodology and design thinking, what do we know, what don't we know, who are our customers, et cetera, and prototyping helped everyone get so much on the same page that we feel like we chopped off a few months of product development time. And so moving forward, we're basically saying that we can use this design thinking framework for things that are not necessarily just design, right? We're using it as a problem-solving framework, as a get-everyone-on-the-same-page framework. Um, And it seems to be very successful. Everyone is always asking me to facilitate a sprint. And, And actually, PayPal has created a whole discovery practice around design thinking where we have folks who are training everyone outside of the design team and the design team on these methodologies and frameworks and actually putting them into practice. Different question for you. As you were talking about, hey, when mobile really came on the scene, uh, and I, I had a similar experience where I felt like I, I, you know, I needed to reset my thoughts and my approaches and understand this new experience. I'm curious if you feel the same way about voice UIs or artificial intelligence, machine learning, like. Is there, is, is there anything in the landscape now that you feel is as challenging to us as designers as mobile? And what should we be doing about it? I, I agree with you that there are a whole bunch of new technologies and we don't exactly know how to use them yet. Um, personally, I feel like I need to know a little bit more about these areas. But luckily, PayPal has the next-gen commerce team and this team is responsible for Uh, looking at future technologies and how PayPal can take advantage of them to help our customers. And I get to partner really closely with this team because actually that's the team that brought me into PayPal in the beginning. And so because of our partnerships with companies that are doing things like Chatbox and Voice AI, I'm getting a hands-on, in a sense, trial with some of these technologies. Personally, I don't know if it's enough, and I'm not sure how to help our team. However, Just recently, PayPal Design held what we call our Design Summit. It was a two-day internal conference where we bring every designer, every content strategist, all our researchers from across the globe to San Jose for two days. Two days of meeting your fellow, your colleagues, two days of speakers and workshops, and it was amazing. And we did actually have an AI workshop, and so people got to understand that a little better, at least for a few hours one afternoon. And we're trying to help, part of my community aspect is actually taking designers' skills and sharing them with the rest of the design team. I mean, we're talking about a hundred and some odd designers. Everybody has different skills. So we're asking people to create brown bags and, and share what they know so that other, other people can learn from them. This is how I think we're going to try to go about it, at least in the short term. That's wonderful. On the emerging technologies team, what types of roles are represented? And is that their sole job there? Right now, there's, 
the team has everyone from design to engineering to product. Um, I think there's even um, a part-time uh, compliance, um, legal, et cetera. And I'm right now an advisor. So most people on the team are full-time. And then there's the bunch of the people in the outer circle that come in and help out. What do you think, what's your intuition about how working with AI changes design or how design has to think about working with AI? My intuition is that I think that it's almost a radical change in how we think about creating something because we have to anticipate what the AI is going to do, but I think it's taking away some of our assumptions about how we create an experience. So I think it's a really big challenge and I'm not sure, I'm not sure how to, how to actually even design for some of that stuff. So I'm so used to starting with a paper and pencil on a, on a, in a sketchbook. And is that actually where I would start by thinking about designing for AI? I think it might actually start more with content and what are we trying to accomplish rather than an actual image. That makes sense. So Darrell, like I mentioned at the very beginning, you have such an impressive history in this field. What would you like your legacy to be? Well, I've never really thought of that. Um, but I will say that as a leader, I actually have a philosophy and um, it, which, which involves supporting my team, being really human. I actually try to be the same person in real life as I am in the real world at work. And I think about things like I never want to present for my team. I want my team to always share their own work. And I give the credit away because I hire people who are better than me at many things. And I think that that makes me look good. And, and I care about my team. And so my legacy is all the people that used to work for me who have now gone on to great careers of their own. And I feel like I have had some small hand in that. And that makes me feel really great. And also, all the people who somehow, I don't know why, but they seem to follow me from job to job. Speaking of that, uh, do you have any open positions you're recruiting for right now? Yes, Chris, thank you so much for asking. I actually have a role or two on our design systems team, and it's we're really looking for folks with strong experience creating design systems, and they also, great writers would be helpful. And I have an open role for what I'm calling my design operations lead. This person would actually really be my right-hand man or woman um, in helping create some of the programs that we're looking to help create the community and efficiency throughout our team. Both roles are in San Jose, California. And if somebody wanted to apply for those roles, how would they do that? I think you should find me on LinkedIn and reach out. And during the interview process, what advice would you give people? Well, when I look at a designer, I often look at the portfolio, but what I'm really interested in is how they think and how they collaborate. And so we ask folks to give us a presentation of um, their or two or so sort of case studies. And when you're doing that, I don't want to just see the results. I want to understand what the problem was and how you solved it. If you didn't solve it, how you worked with team members. I'm really interested in, will you be somebody that can partner with the rest of the team, 
bring something new to the team and somebody that is really motivated to to work on some of these really complex financial issues. Well, it's been such a delight having you on this show. Thank you so much. Really great, Jarrell. Thanks for sharing. You've got great experience and this has been a great discussion. Thank you guys so much. UX Radio is produced by Laura Federoff and Chris Chandler. If you want more UX Radio, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Play or go to ux-radio.com where you'll find podcasts, resources, and more. This episode is brought to you by Philosophy. Philosophy helps entrepreneurs and organizations validate and develop their promising ideas through agile design, rapid prototyping, and software craftsmanship. To learn more, visit philosophy with an IE dot IS. Philosophy.